Hey folks, a quick tip before we get into the show. If you enjoyed the recent episode with Felipe Turan talking about the use of TEE in the ICU, we have actually a group discount for you you could use to attend the Resus TEE course that Felipe runs. They tour around and do this workshop in different areas. I attended, Brian's attending soon. Really a great one-day course with a ton of hands-on experience. And Felipe agreed to offer you guys 20% for listeners of the show. This is going to be good for the next several classes up until the New York City courses on July 22nd and 23rd. Just enter the code CCSPOD, CCSPOD20, when you go to check out and you'll get your 20%. Uh, don't circulate that code around. It's really just for you guys, but we encourage you to give it a try. Now, time for the show. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. There's cat fur on my microphone. All right, everyone, well, it's Brandon Odo. Um, if I can talk properly today, we're back with Lightning Rounds. Um, and Brian and I, what we really, really, really want to talk about today is night shifts. Now, to set the stage here, I don't know if you realized, but sick patients are usually still sick at night. They're not on diurnal cycles, unfortunately, as some other elective things are. So usually if you have an ICU, somebody needs to staff it at night. Um, that goes without saying for bedside staff like nurses, but when you're talking about providers like physicians, uh, PAs, and PEs, and so on, by and large, somebody has to be around. Now, that's not always true. You know, some smaller hospitals and ICUs uh, or certain situations, maybe you could have it covered remotely by someone from home or, or whatever, but typically somebody has to be around, and a lot of the time that means people like me and Brian. Some people like night shifts, but a lot of people also like to be asleep at night. So it kind of presents a conundrum. So let's see, Brian, what's your night situation right now? Do you do nights at all? And if so, is it a big part of your schedule? Uh, we do some. I, I don't do very many, thankfully. Um, so we have a couple of folks who are dedicated night shifters um, that for whatever sadomasochistic reason, they have chosen that lifestyle. Um, and so usually we only have to do it when there's some issue, like, um, somebody's out on vacation and that coincides with somebody's maternity leave. And that coincides with, you know, something else that, that, uh, kind of overwhelms the system, uh, because there's fewer of those people than there are in the daytime. So they, they have a hard time absorbing those hits, uh, like we do in the daytime. Right. Fewer meaning there's, uh, not as much kind of cross coverage, but also meaning it's not like there's normally three of them there. So if one of them was out, two others can pick up the slack. There may be, you know, a single person covering, you know, an entire unit or multiple units. So like they have to show up to work. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's not only, there's fewer of them in total, um, at there, there at once, but also fewer in total in existence. Right. So whereas there's half a dozen or more of us on the days that kind of alternate back and forth, um, the night shift people are, are pretty skeleton crew. So 
there's one person who's there and there's one person who's not there and they switch off, you know, um, now there'll be two or three of them there at a time, but there's just not a whole lot of wiggle room for, um, you know, if one person is not available now. So not all, but many and maybe most schedules that I've seen for, APPs covering ICUs, um, often it's it's something that looks like 12-hour shifts. And, you know, you'll average out to maybe doing about three of these a week, so it makes up a full-time schedule. And with 12 hours, you just rotate. You have somebody on a day, somebody on night. Um, so if you are doing pure days, of course, you just you stick a few shifts in a week, no problem. If you're doing pure nights, um, the same thing, and, and probably you know, you stack them together, what most people would want. If it's more intermittent, then you have to find a way to, to go back and forth. And that's what I've always done. Um, everywhere that I've worked, the there's usually a few dedicated night people. And people who like nights like them because um, there's less busy work at night. There's no rounding or maybe informal rounds, but not in the same way. There's less just like paperwork and getting stuff done, um, usually not kind of routine admissions and discharges and things. Mostly it's just uh, dealing with emergencies and perhaps admitting, you know, unexpected sick people and otherwise kind of doing nothing. And that's what a lot of people want to do. Um, it also means kind of avoiding a lot of the machinery of hospitals. And that appeals to some people, uh, folks who have trouble, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Keeping their mouth shut when they see people in suits and stuff like that. It, there's just certain kind of people who, I'm not saying they're not employable during daylight hours, but they have an easier time at night. I will say that if it weren't for the fact that my body rejects uh, night shift and I feel like absolute garbage, uh, I would really enjoy the nights. Um, I did nights for a long time as a bedside nurse. And when I first started as an NP, we, we did a schedule where we did two months of the year we did nights. Um, and I really liked it except for the fact, like I said, that I just felt awful all the time. Yeah, I feel the same. And I, I think a lot of people do. And that's why I'm trying not to be disparaging because there's a lot to lot to say for it. I mean, there's, again, more kind of actual critical care going on probably. And it's partly because there's less coverage. So you're, you're kind of seeing more patients. But again, you're not spending your time doing just routine stuff. You're just there for, you know, crises, emergencies, and, you know, when new patients show up, which, you know, involves a lot of decision-making and, and stabilization and procedures and stuff like that. But you got to be awake all night. So <laughs> that is uh, a skill, and that's what I was kind of curious to look at today, how it can be done. So to me, there are at least three kind of related skills to physically dealing with nights. And that is coming on to a night shift and especially a block of night shifts. And then if you have several in a row, what do you do in between the kind of interstitial days? And then how do you come back off and convert back to a normal life? Uh, if you are only doing occasional nights, in a way, that's easier because there's just not as many. But it also means that they are more sporadic in your schedule. You know, if you if you're doing three or four in a row, you get more pulled into a nocturnal schedule, and then it may be harder to come back off at the end. But at least there's not so much back and forth. Um, so that is one factor, I think. But um, I think another important aspect is how busy it is. Right. So some people are in a position, for instance, uh, 
in the emergency department, right? If you work there, if you're working at night, and of course they need to have a lot of night coverage, you're pretty much just there as if it were a day shift. You're awake all night, you're seeing patients, there's not that much that's different. In other settings, and I think this applies to the ICU, it can be more hit or miss, right? Some places you're very busy and you pretty much are just gonna be up all night and it's kind of like it was the day. Uh, some places it might be quiet and you might be able to expect to get some sleep. And that's a difference from, you know, people like nurses. Um, and then just kind of a gray area, like how much are you going to get? Yeah, I think that is the key for me. So when we did those couple of months of night shift, uh, when I first started, for whatever reason, our service was not as consistently busy. And so I would sometimes get an hour or two of sleep a night and really could function pretty well. So I would, you know, I would go in, kind of do a little informal rounds at the beginning of the night, check on everybody, sort of start settling down around midnight, 1 a.m. If nothing was going on, I'd get a little bit of sleep, wake up here and there to deal with stuff, uh, and then get up at, you know, three or four to sort of go and do a checkout rounds and make sure that everything was still, you know, okay before I sign out. I'd go home, uh, eat some breakfast, grab a little nap, wake up in the middle of the afternoon and feel pretty good. Uh, but those nights where you're not sleeping at all, that's the problem. Yeah. And some of this is about culture and workflow. You know, some places the, you know, the nurses may expect you to, to be around most of the time, not in a call room. Some places are just busier. Um, some places uh, I've even seen units where the, the nighttime would take some of the workload for the day. So for instance, they would, um, write like notes for the coming days, admissions or progress notes, things like that. Um, so it just depends. But I mean, if you can expect to sleep most of the night, pretty consistently, that sets you up very differently than if you expect to be up all night. I agree there's a big difference between getting any sleep versus none. So even an hour or two, um, you get like one or half a REM cycle in there. You kind of just get to rest your brain. That's very different than if you got zero. And most importantly, in the, the kind of deep bottom well of the night, which is like 2 a.m. to like 4, 4.30 a.m. when like your cortisol is lowest. That's like the, that's the bad time of night. That's the real night. You know, you're up at like 11 or midnight or something. That's like, oh, ha ha, I'm up late at like a slumber party. I was watching <laughs> Netflix. This is a good time. You could have been out clubbing or something. Like most people can deal with that, especially if you're working. When you start to get past like, you know, one, two o'clock, it's not funny. Right. <laughs> That's when pretty much everyone would like to be asleep. And if you're awake, you're probably not functioning all that well. And that's just kind of a, you know, unavoidable physical reality. So if you are doing stuff, you should realize that you're probably not doing as well at it as you would have during the day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that's the biggest problem with nights, right? Is that, you know, I used to say when I was a nurse and I'd work nights, I'd be up all night and that's the time, you know, of course that you're, you're feeling the worst. And I would always think if only it was busy, if it was really busy, cause you know, you'd have those nights where you were really busy you'd have a patient who was very sick. You were resuscitating all night long, uh, hanging meds, giving stuff, doing this and that. And before you knew it, it was morning and you'd made it through. And I think with every night was like that, I'd be fine. 
but that's not true. And I learned, I've learned that the hard way when I've had a busy night as a NP and three, four o'clock in the morning hits and you're trying to focus on some procedure and you're realizing that it doesn't matter that it's been busy all night. I'm still exhausted. Yeah. Tired yeah. is just tired, but that also kind of gets at the it's, I'm not going to say it would be easier if you just knew you were going to be awake all night, but it sometimes it, it almost seems that way because the, the tension between, you know, wanting to sleep or thinking you can sleep or wondering if you'll sleep and what you're doing kind of makes its own challenge. Like say you are busy, you have a sick patient, you're doing stuff, but then there's like a lull, you know, you're, you're, you're waiting on some labs or like, you, you know, there's an admission coming, but like they haven't come yet or something like that. And then you're like, well, do I just sit here waiting, <laughs> like staring at a screen, clicking refresh or something? Can I nip off and get 20 minutes of sleep? What if I miss something that, that's like almost harder than if you just plan to be awake? I don't know if it actually is, but it's hard in its own way. Yeah, agreed. And I think it depends on what you're waiting for, right? If I'm you know, if I'm waiting for a transplant to come out of the operating room at two in the morning, I can look at the OR board and kind of see where we are in things and know that, you know, I'm going to get a page when they're closing. So I could probably lay down, but yeah, you're right. If you're like, well, I've sent a bunch of labs off and there's nothing I can do right now until the stuff comes back. Well, yeah. Do I lay down and fall asleep and miss those labs? Or do I just have to sit here hitting refresh, uh, trying to decide what to do? Well, right. And that is part of it. it. Whatever you're waiting for, can you expect that it will, it will wake right. you up <laughs> and maybe you can, you know, say, Hey, you know, when this happens, can you let me know or something? But ultimately there's, there's trust involved. I mean, the difference between you being able to lay eyes on a patient and see things that are happening, especially if you're worried about some stuff versus, you know, hoping someone will tell you is there's kind of a, a, a trust gap there. So yeah, at some point you got to decide, are, are you willing to kind of walk away? And, and especially for me, you know, if I, if I go to bed, like my, my goal is to not get up again. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's almost harder to have to, you know, rouse yourself and then come back and, and like be back and forth. Cause the, at least for me, and I think this applies to most people who are not very strong. Uh, if like, if you're asleep and you get woken up by something, especially when it's like 3am, your first reaction deep from the very heart of your lizard brain is to find a way that you can handle it without moving. Right. So if, if somebody calls you and they're like, Hey, you know, so-and-so's blood pressure is a little low, like, like so many neurons fire on that are saying things like, I bet it's fine. Maybe we can watch and wait, <laughs> recheck it. I bet it'll go away. <laughs> Whereas, you know, if you were like out and about, you'd go look at the patient, you'd do more stuff. So there's like a, a real risk here about sinking yourself into something you can't get out of. And that's, uh, that's like just human stuff. Like, have you ever called, you know, a, a consult or something? You talk to a surgeon or something and it's like two in the morning. And the, the first thing you hear from them is like about why it's not a big deal. Like, oh, you know, We'll see it in the morning. I'm sure it's fine. And then maybe five minutes later, they call you back saying, you know what? We should get a CAT scan because they were laying there and the like more sophisticated uh, part of their brain that wants to not kill people and keep their job and stuff was like, you know what? Maybe that's like not okay. <laughs> yeah. And it managed to like claw its way to the yeah, When I was a CTICU nurse in a private practice setting, we'd frequently have this. Well, not frequently, but you know, uh, where 
case would be done that day. So you're kind of post-op day zero uh, and your chest tube output would be just too high and the blood pressure would be just too soft. And you'd call the surgeon and say, you know, this is how much I've had out of the chest tube this hour. Your output's sort of trending down. Um, blood pressure's soft, a little tachycardic. And, you know, the answer would be give a unit of blood. And you'd give a unit of blood. And while the blood was infusing, everything is great. As soon as it's done, bad news again. Everything's going south. And you'd call back, well, give another unit of blood. And I would always think, I'm going to call you like every hour tonight and tell you bad things and wake you up. Why don't you just come in and take the patient to the operating room? Because sure enough, at six o'clock, the PA would be there saying, hey, we're going to take this guy back. And I would always say like, you know, why don't you just do it in the middle of the night? Uh, but I get it now, right? Because you're not at your best. And uh, I mean, and sure, there's other consequences too of, you know, doing a case in the middle of the night, having to call staff in maybe or whatever. But, uh, but I, yeah, I think there is that kind of human nature to sort of, what can I do without having to get up? Yeah. And you just got to acknowledge it, you know, like all of our biases. Yeah. So, you know, that little thing is sitting on your shoulder. So let me tell you how I sort of approach making these transitions uh, on and off days and nights. Because, you know, we've been doing more of them lately at my job just because of some staffing things. And honestly, I find that I'm getting worse at it. So I'm, I'm curious if you have any insights. But what I've always done, uh, because I've always been in places that are in that middle ground where you can't necessarily expect to be awake all night, but you certainly can't expect to sleep all night either. It's somewhere in between. So I want to be prepared for either because if you go like all in with either expectation, you're probably going to be disappointed. So if you're like, you know what, I'm going to get a full night's sleep. So I'm going to, you know, show up at work about to fall asleep and then unprepared to be awake, then you're out of luck if you have to do anything. Uh, and vice versa, if you plan to be awake all night and you, you know, you, you drink like, three monster energy drinks right as you show up, you know, and it's dead, then you're sitting there at 1 a.m. staring at the wall, and that's like almost worse. So I, I try to be in the middle. So what I'll do if I'm coming in for the night shift is my pre-shift, pre-call day, I try to sleep in a little. So I try to maybe stay up a little night before, just push my schedule like maybe an hour or two. And then... Um, in theory, you, this is like half a day off so you can get stuff done. But what I tend to find is my body knows that I'm working that night and it doesn't really want to do anything. So I have a, a kind of lassitude and I, and I spend a lot of the day not getting that much done. I may or may not take a nap in the afternoon. Um, I used to always and then for a while I didn't and now I'm kind of getting back into it. Um, I'm not a great napper, so I'm usually tired after. But it does make a difference if you're at all busy that night. Um, you know, an hour or two around, you know, two or three o'clock. Um, I'll eat dinner before I go in um, and then not eat so much during my shift, maybe a snack. Uh, and then you come in, you kind of tuck things in. And then maybe around midnight, I'll start to think about sleeping. And usually I've got some stuff to do until then. But realistically, I'm not even tired until then. And then if it is quiet, I'm probably not going to be able to sleep until 1230 or one or something. And then in an ideal world, I'll sleep until maybe six or something. And when I start to rouse and, and deal with some things. Um, and of course, if I get woken up by stuff, I'll deal with that as it comes. Um, well, we'll deal with the others later. Is that what your coming on tonight looks like? Yeah, more or less. I am not a good daytime sleeper 
I never have been. Even when I would do full-time nights as a nurse, I would come home after. And so my, my general plan at that point was similar to what you've described. Although again, um, I usually cannot nap during the day. Um, so I'd be up essentially for 24 hours um, on that first day. But then I'd come home and be exhausted and, and I would go to sleep, but I could, I would really only sleep a few hours and then I'd be awake and just kind of feeling garbagey. Uh, if it was really quiet, nobody was in my house or whatever, I could go back to sleep a little bit. Uh, but I just am not a good daytime sleeper. Uh, I like you though, I eat dinner before I leave. Um, I usually eat with my family, go to work, um, bring just assorted snacks and, and drinks and stuff. I try to limit my caffeine actually at night uh, to maybe a cup of coffee or, or maybe two, but I am not one that's going to pound coffee and energy drinks all night. Um, and then like I said, yeah, caffeine is, is its own factor yeah. here. I, I think you should only be doing that during your shift. If it's like, you know, you're in the ER, you know, you're going to be awake the whole time, that kind of thing. I'll probably have maybe some coffee like, you know, that evening, uh, when I come up for my nap or, or something like that, but that's, yeah, I'll it. usually have a cup of, of coffee at the beginning of the evening, you know, and get in, get sign out, uh, go around, kind of see things. If everybody's kind of chill, I'll make a cup of coffee, sit down, sort of look over stuff just to make sure there's nothing, you know, that I haven't found out about or something I don't, that I need to know for tonight. Uh, but then, yeah, I will usually not drink another cup the rest of the night if I can avoid it. If it's one of those nights where it's go, go, go all night, but not really, you know what I mean? Like, so you're, you have to be awake to sort of be aware of things, but you're not right. like running around. Uh, then, you know, I might have another one at right midnight, one o'clock, uh, another cup just to kind of top off and, uh, boost me through. But, uh, I try not to drink any after that, um, for fear that it's going to disrupt my daytime sleep, which caffeine has never really been one for me that keeps me awake. Uh, so I can have a cup of coffee and then go straight to bed. Uh, my wife often jokes, you know, that I, I'll drink coffee at night sometimes. And she's like, how do you sleep at night? I don't know. I just am exhausted, I guess. Um, but at the same time, I think it's probably not great sleep. So I try to avoid it if I can. Yeah. Everyone has their own relationship with caffeine. And I, I think that is one pitfall. People who are like, oh, it's no problem. I can have a coffee right before I go to bed and, and sleep. But then, you know what's their sleep right. really like? You know, if we put them in a sleep lab, is it disrupted or what? But yeah. So coming into your in-between interstitial shifts, you know, I'll, I'll come out, I'll try to kind of get into sleeping mode. So, you know, if it's like the sun is bright, I try to drive home with sunglasses and things like that. Um, I, I, I will go to bed in all cases, at least for a short, even if I had a great night, um, I'll still get, you know, sleep for a couple hours or something. Cause it's not the same sleep, right? You know, even if nothing was happening at work, you're not, I, I mean, I guarantee you sleep labs aside, you're not getting like real deep sleep. Um, so it, there's kind of something missing there. Uh, and then of course, if I was up all night, I'm going to sleep longer, but, um, you know, I, I, I'll wear earplugs, like an eye mask. We have blackout shades in our room. Um, of course, it depends on sort of your life situation, but really, you should be thinking of these days like nights. You know, this is, you work during the night, so you're asleep during the day. You wouldn't, you know, schedule a haircut in the middle of the night. Probably you also shouldn't during the day. Right. <laughs> now, 
of course, you may have life stuff and then maybe unavoidable. And then you're always like, well, I bet I can squeeze this in, you know, this this fun thing, this, you know, engagement or whatever. But there there is like real pitfalls here because the that morning when you're like, oh, we're going to drive to the beach, you know, at 10, that's going to be the night you spent the entire night like doing CPR yeah. or something. So, and, and this gets back to that, that tension. Cause not only is that physically hard, but then you're, you're like up at night mad about it. You are, you're like upset that you have to see patients and like deal with these problems and take an admission, uh, also known as like doing your right. job. And if that's, if that's how you start thinking about stuff, like everything that happens to you is an affront because you plan to sleep, th- that's like a, a, a slippery slope just in general for you. So don't, you don't want to have expectations for your night. And that means you shouldn't, you know, require them in order to, you know, deal with your day the next day or whatever. Yeah. In fact, sometimes when I would do nights, I would intentionally not sleep until I just couldn't, you know, like, so if it was slow, uh, I would go to the call room and lay down and watch TV. Um, but not sleep because I thought that, well, that way, if I get interrupted, it's fine. I'm interrupting, you know, uh, uh, something on Netflix that I've seen five times. Um, it's not a big deal, but if I'm desperately needing sleep, then yeah, now you're interrupting my, my me time. Right. Um, so I, I sort of try to view it as my, you know, my sleep, that's going to sustain me is a combination of whatever I'm getting on shift and then after. So if I get more in one, I'll do less in the other. But in almost all cases, I won't sleep past um, maybe two o'clock in the afternoon, something like that. Oh, I'll usually shower before I go to bed. And that was uh, not something I always did. But I would find if I do a few nights in a row and I just bonk into bed after my shift, the uh, bed starts to smell. (laughs) Um, Now now that uh, there's like COVID, then I always shower after work anyway. But um, so I'll get up and then I, I kind of do a similar process. I'll have some coffee. I'll, I'll just kind of putter around for a couple hours probably and then have dinner and then get back into it. So the more of these in a row, the more you're tending to be awake at night and used to it um, and it just gets easier. But coming off at the end is the other challenge. So I will use the same system, but I'll, I'll really make sure to limit my sleep on the back end. Um, if I can be up by, uh, one o'clock or maybe even noon, um, that's ideal because even if I'm tired the whole rest of that day, it's setting me up to sleep normally that night. And then hopefully to quarantine the like sleep disruption to your one post call day. Cause my goal is after that post call day one, et cetera, uh, to be normal, you know, to, you had a normal night's sleep and you're not tired and you're kind of back to how it should be. The real problem is when two, three, five days after your nights, you're still not right anymore. And if, if you kind of do what your body wants, that could happen, you know, Oh, I slept until 5 PM after my shift. And then I was awake until 2 AM at home. Cause I couldn't get to sleep. And then you kind of keep stuck in this cycle for another week or something right. like that. Yeah. I, same thing. I would try to sleep, but not, a, not real late. Um, and then maybe stay up a little bit later than normal, but not till like one or two in the morning and then try to get up at my normal time, you know, the next day, even if that yeah. means I'm a little tired during the day, cause it gets you back on the, on the cycle. Right. 
Yeah, it's like paying yeah. it forward. What about um, what about we're talking about caffeine? What about other drugs? Uh, do you use anything to help you sleep when you're kind of changing schedules? You know, like this? I never have. People, I know lots of people use melatonin. I've never, I've never done anything like that because usually, except for that first day, I don't have trouble getting to sleep. Um, you know, I have trouble staying asleep. So probably melatonin would have helped. Um, but usually, I come home and cra- crash, and then you know, sleep for a few hours, I'll wake up kind of groggy. And if I don't need to be up, then I can kind of make myself go back to sleep. And, you know, I'll get a little bit more and maybe make up in quality, quantity, what's lacking in quality. Um, but yeah, no, I've never, I've never been one to do any of those other agents. Yeah. <laughs> the hard stuff. Yeah. I, um, I use melatonin and what it does for me or I think it does, or what I hope it does, is like you said, not to help you fall asleep, which um, you should be able to do unless you really got messed up, uh, like you slept way too late or something. And if I really need help with that, um, sometimes I'll take a little bit of Benadryl. And I know that all the like you know sleep doctors out here are like, oh, this stuff doesn't give you good sleep. But there definitely is a point where getting any sleep is better right. than none. So, uh, <laughs> but the melatonin, I think, is you know, and this is even what it's like approved for. And people say that it should be used for, which is changing your circadian rhythm. It, it helps me kind of reset that. And I, I think it helps me to stay asleep because otherwise I, if I've been on for like three nights in a row or something, I go to sleep that night, I'm tired because I didn't get enough sleep. I'll fall asleep, but there's a good chance I'll be awake at like two, 3 AM or something. So I think melatonin can help with that. Um, I, I usually take like a milligram or two, which is less than a lot of formulations you'll see. Um, that being said, I, I, I've been finding that even that, even that one always keep me asleep and they do make some extended release melatonin, which I, I, I kind of wonder if may sort of match your natural release of it a little better. Cause again, it's more kind of later in the night that you're looking for it. So I don't know, there's sort of fine tuning here, but I'll also take it for several days after that. Which, because I'll have the same problem, not just that night, but maybe a couple nights in, where I tend to wake up early and stuff. Because you know, my, my body still thinks I'm sort of, you know, in Australia or something, uh, time-wise. Um, so that that's one thing for me. There's other drugs out there, and it's kind of a whole topic of its own. But I mean, what that kind of gets at also is like, in the long run, no matter how you handle any of this, it's not great. <laughs> And it's, it's not great, you know, for physical sort of unavoidable reasons, no matter how you tackle it. And then maybe for like psychological reasons that are related to that. But I think it only gets worse. I mean, some people are better or worse at this, but no one's as good at being up all night as they were 20 years ago. And I've definitely noticed that as I'm getting older, it, it has more of an impact on me. Uh, it, it lasts for longer. There's for sure been times when, you know, it's, it's a week after my nights and I still don't feel right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm awake and stuff, but I feel like I, you know, got over an illness or something like that. And I, I think that's kind of common and it, it can play a role in, you know, the kind of jobs people feel like they can do long term. Yeah. I think, you know, I've, for me, my ideal situation, if I have to do night coverage is to do one night, that's it right? I can power through that one night and then get back to my regular routine. And even if that means I have to do one night every week, to me, that's better than doing a straight week of nights and then going back to days. 
Um, I know some people prefer to debatch their nights together to do, you know, a week or a month of nights and then go back to days. Um, but for me, the transition is the hardest part. Now there's research out there that I've seen that says that that's actually the part that's worse for you, right? Is the transitioning from uh, nights to days and back and forth. And that if you're going to do nights, you should just do nights all the time. And ideally you should just be awake at night every night. Um, and I do know people that do that. They will literally sleep during the day, every day, 365 days a year and be awake every night. And if they're not working, then they're up all night watching Netflix or working out or reading or doing tasks around the house as if it was daytime. I don't personally see how those people function like that. Um, I think... I don't know anyone like that. Are you sure those are not... Well, it sounds like it, right? Um, You know, I mean... Because that's usually the problem. Even if you're like, oh, I'm a pure night shift person, you know, I'll just stay on the schedule when I'm working. It's your days off that are the problem because people want to like see the sun and like go to stores when they're open and see. Right. And that's the problem is that the rest of the world, right? So even if you can physically say, I can handle being up all night, you know, working around my house or watching Netflix or doing other things all night, you, the rest of the world's not open, right? So unless your friends are all other similar night shift people and you're going to get together at their house and hang out, or, uh, you have, you know, no family that is on a normal day shift schedule. Uh, you know, like you said, how do you go to the store? How do you go to the bank? How do you do any sort of normal activity, uh, that doesn't exist at night? Well, what you can do is get on your helicopter and travel to somewhere where it's daytime. And that sounds like a joke, but I know that um, Emory uh, has a, a tele-ICU program where they provide you know remote coverage of some of their community hospitals. And rather than making those intensivists stay awake all night, they send them to, I think it's Australia or maybe New Zealand, and then they provide the remote coverage from there. Because when it's nighttime here, it's daytime there. Yep. And apparently people love it because uh, they get to <laughs> spend however long in Australia and they're, you know, on normal hours. A lot of us can't do that, though. Right. Well, And it doesn't solve the problem of sometimes someone still has to be physically present. Right. Like So, yeah, telehealth is great and they can do certainly do a lot. But what if your patient needs to be intubated? I mean, they haven't yet developed the telehealth robot that I'm aware of that will allow me to intubate a patient over Zoom. Yeah, somebody still has to be there. And I mean, if you have a solution to this, which essentially amounts to you not working nights anymore, all all you've really done is kick the problem to somebody else, which is fine. Um, But, and you know, this is kind of a important perspective for us to keep, I think. As people progress in life and in training, a lot of the time it means doing less of stuff like this. So the more senior you are, it may be somebody else who has to be in the hospital working at night, which is cool. And that may be what you want or even need as you get older. Um, However, I think we should uh, be sensitive that there are still other human beings who have to do this stuff. So one thing that it means is acknowledging that we get to be awake during the day and work normal hours only because somebody else was not. Uh, so we should be, you know, grateful 
we should not show up the next day and complain about the stuff they did, <laughs> which is a extremely popular pastime in a lot of places. Uh, the day crews come in, they take over the patients that were taken care of by the night team, and then they go, why did they do this? What's going on with this? This is wacky. What's the deal with these night people? Um, who are, of course, not there to defend their decisions <laughs> and who were at the time acting with what was probably, you know, very reasonable justifications on very little sleep, by the way. So the the right response probably to a night person who does something you don't fully understand is probably, I'm glad you were here when I was not taking care of my patients. Either you did what made sense at the time, and now with more information, you know, it may look differently, or maybe you made the wrong decision. And the reason that I know it's wrong is because I'm a lot smarter than you. However, if I want all of the decisions to be made with optimal smartness, I should be the one who's here all the time. And clearly I wasn't willing to do that. So I should be happy with what you're doing with these patients. And you can't have it both ways. Right. Well, right? and I was going to say, that's sort of the mixed bag of the senior people get to do days, right? Is that while on the one hand, like you said earlier, the younger you are, the better you handle this stuff. So it makes sense to have the young folks doing nights and the older folks rotating to mostly days. But then you, you do lose that seniority at night, right? You lose that experience at night. And, you know, oftentimes that's true across the board, right? The nurses are typically younger and less experienced. The respiratory therapists, the, you know, all of this, the folks who are there in the hospital, once you get a little bit of experience in seniority, like you said, there's the exception. There's people who prefer it at night for whatever reason, but a lot of those folks want to go to days. And so you have less and less experience at night. Uh, you typically have fewer people at night. So, you know, that's the downside of the experienced people leaving is that you're left with people who may not have the experience to make the decisions. Like you said, that, that you would have made. Yeah. Either they're newer or they, you know, they, they miss that sweet spot. They've been around for a long time. And again, they're on nights because they don't want to deal with the sort of supervision that happens during the day. And in the middle, yes, there are some people who may be very good and they just prefer nights for whatever reason, in some cases, because they're incentivized to. So, you know, a system that recognizes they need good people at night will, you know, pay them more or whatever. Um, that's not everywhere. Some places they'll give them like, you know, $2 more or something to work a night shift, which is not enough to change anybody's decisions. Right. So that's kind of the, the scope of things, I, I think. Um, there's no ideal way to do this. Uh, a lot of it is very dependent on the person, but I think we just have to recognize that it's a challenge that we all have to face and that ultimately is, um, how do I put this? It is not a personal challenge. It is a challenge to the system. As long as we acknowledge, which is absolutely true, that we need people in hospitals taking care of patients. And it's not like, it's not like the night shifts problem. It's also, if I'm the day person it's my problem because somebody has to take care of my patient at night. Right. <laughs> so that's what I got. Anything else, Brian? No, I think that's good. It's a, it's a very tough thing to handle, but it's in a, an inevitable part of critical care. Uh, whether it's, like you said, whether it's 
directly applicable to you. Maybe you're fortunate enough to not have to do nights at all. Um, but the system still exists. So it's got to be dealt with. All right. Talk in a couple of weeks. Thanks. See ya.